I am live out of my home. We wanted to try to see how this would work live at home. So, you know, shoot us a text and let us know how things are going from inside the home. We give God glory for the avenues that he has given us to use in case, um, you know, other things happen or come up. But we praise God that we will be back in place um, as the Spirit of the Lord permits. So tonight, I want to continue my teaching that I was doing on 911, What's Your Emergency? And the answer to that is lost souls. But let's go into prayer. Father God, we just thank you. We praise you. We acknowledge your presence on your presence on tonight. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you that he is my helper tonight. He is my keeper. He is the one that walks alongside of me. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here on tonight. And I thank you, Father, that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And I thank you, Father God, that as I open my mouth, you have already filled it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go into this teaching. I'm still talking on 911, what's your emergency? And as you know, I went back through the book of Genesis. And if we look in the book of Genesis, we will see and we will um, come to know, to understand and perceive that in Genesis chapter 1, on up to Genesis chapter 2, it tells us how God created the heavens and the earth. And it also tells us that in the beginning, the word was there, which is Jesus. So it was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, um, a part of creation that we see now. So as God began to speak into existence what he wanted to be, what he wanted the earth, what he wanted the heavens to become, as he spoke the word of God, we know that um, he spoke and he saw what he spoke and it was good. And at the end, it was very good. So God wanted this earth to be full of him, to be full of joy and peace. He didn't want the earth to be full of sin. So we know that he created man in his image, which we are spiritual beings, male and female. And he created um, them, their name was Adam. And when he created Adam, he created him from the dust of the ground. But we know that that body did not have life. So God had to blow the breath of life in his nostrils, which was the spirit of God. And then man became a living soul. So he took that man and he placed him into that garden. But he told the man, he said, do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from that tree, you shall surely die. God was not talking about a um, physical death. He was talking about a spiritual death. Remember, God blew breath into Adam, and Adam became a living soul. That was the breath, breath of God, and the breath of God is what brings the life of God to all of us that's born again. So we know that the serpent, um, that Satan used the serpent, which was part of God's creation, and he deceived Eve. By him deceiving Eve, Eve gave her husband Adam, you know, a bite of that fruit, he took a bite, we know sin entered the, the world. So this is how sin come about the world through disobedience. But before sin came, God put them in a paradise. He put them in a place that had everything. Again, I'm saying that again. He put them in paradise. It was a place.
no disease. It was not um, no evil there. But sin came into the world. When sin came into the world, it brought things with it. Sickness, disease, all kinds of wickedness. And we look, and the Bible says in Genesis, the fourth chapter, that Adam knew Eve, meaning that they had come together sexually. And when they came together sexually, we know that they had Cain and Abel. And being that they had Cain and Abel, Cain was a keeper of the ground. Abel was the keeper of the sheep. The, he was a herdsman. He was like a shepherd. So this is what happened. Both of them was giving God an offering. Cain bought God an offering from the ground, and Abel bought him the first of his sheep. So God was not pleased with Cain's offering. And the reason why God was not pleased with Cain's offering is because the offering that Cain brought should have been the shedding of blood. Because we know without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Now, when we go back into Genesis, um, when Adam and Eve sinned, God killed an animal. They tried to cover themselves. Why am I putting all of this in here? Because we're trying to get right with God on our own by doing things that we think that will make us right in the eyes of God. And we feel like whatever sin that we're doing, we want to stop doing it before we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But even though Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves, what did God do? He killed an animal, and God covered them. He covered them with the skin of that animal. So God was letting them know about the shedding of blood. So getting back to both Cain and Abel, they gave God an offering. So, of course, we know that God, in Genesis 4, he did not um, accept Cain's offering. And Cain was very upset. He became very angry because God accepted Abel's offering but did not accept his. And God told Cain, did you not know, Cain, if you do good, you will be accepted? He was letting him know through the good that you do, you will be accepted. And what God was talking about, Cain did not do what he should have done according to the way that God would have for him to do it. So when he said that, he, he said it because he saw his his face. He saw how he looked. So I want to share this with you tonight. Some of us say that we don't have a problem, we don't have an issue with someone, but someone can look at your face and know that there is a problem. There's something that's going on with you that's... Um, I know I could have done or somebody else could have done because your face is showing off. That's what was happening with Cain. So God said, Cain, did you not know that sin lies at the door and wait for you? But he was telling him, you can master sin. He was letting him know that he could master sin. So he was telling him, you know, he was giving him another opportunity to do what he know to do was right. So we see that Cain killed Abel. By Cain killing Abel, God was very displeased. He knew that Abel's blood was crying from the ground. So that's Genesis 4. But also in Genesis 4, it talks about dealing with Cain's generation. And we know through Cain's generation, his grandson had a problem just like Cain did. He began to, you know, kill as well. And he thought it was acceptable with what he had done. So we see through Cain's generation, it was an ungodly generation. And then the Bible began to say that um, Eve 
to have Seth. And by um, her beginning to have Seth, then they begin to call on the name of the Lord again through Seth's generation. So we're in Genesis 5, and it's talking about Seth's generation and how they began to call upon the Lord. So I just wanted you to see the difference between the generation. It was the ungodly, which was Cain, and then it was the godly, godly generation, which came through Seth's generation. And when we look at that generation, we look at how in, in Genesis 6, it tells us how God saw the wickedness of the people that was upon the earth. He saw how wicked they were. It says that the sons of God, they came in and they slept with, you know, the women of men. Let me read that. Genesis chapter 6. I want to make sure I'm telling you right about what it says. It said, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and the daughters were born unto them. So this is through Cain's generation. This is through um, Seth's generation. And it says, the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. So we see that dealing with Cain's generation, and Seth's generation, we know the Seth generation, they called them the sons of God. They took women from Cain's generation. And God did not want that to happen. He did not want that to happen, but this is what had happened with them. So when they took them, um, God recognized, he said, and this is the verse I'm getting to. And God said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. So God began to say his spirit would not be with man because of the sin that was in the world. He said, my, my spirit will not be in them. God is saying that because he knew that it was so much sin in the world that through him, through his spirit being in them with sin, they would live forever. So God knew, no. He said, this cannot be. So when we go on and look further with what God was saying, he said, and now he saw that the wickedness that was upon this earth, in verse 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This means that everything that he meditated on, everything that he purposed in his heart was evil continually. And basically what that means is what they were doing, they didn't look at it as being sin. They looked at it as daily living, like there's, there was nothing wrong with it. So what am I saying to you? Things that we do, I'll say, I'm looking at saved and unsaved. This is why it's so important when we say 911, what's your emergency lost souls? Because right, right here is telling us that they were so wicked, that they were so evil, that their thoughts, their plans was wicked and evil. Things they meditated on was wicked and it was evil. The Bible said it was evil continually on a daily basis. It was so much a part of them that they didn't see it as being that way. They see, saw that as normal living. We have people in the world right now that's looking at the way they, they're living as normal. There's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. I'm just as good as this one. I'm good as that one. God said your goodness is not what's going to get you to heaven. 
It doesn't matter how good you are or the good deeds that you've done. It's good that you, you're helping people and you're visiting people. I'm not telling you not to do that. It's good that you do that, but you cannot be accepted into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, without being born again, without accepting what Jesus has done. So they were so used to the way that they were living. Now remember, this was Cain's generation, which I consider them as being ungodly. You can go back and read Genesis 4. And then Genesis 5 is talking about the generation of Seth. And that's when they begin to call on the Lord. But then Seth's generation began to marry the women in Cain's generation, which was evil. And then all of this evil was upon the earth. But guess what? Through Seth's generation, there was still one that was righteous. And his name was Noah. The Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. He found that in the eyes of God. So there are some people out there that are in the midst of everything that's going on. And they're not doing what other people are doing. They refuse to do it. Why? Because they love the Lord. So this is how it was with Noah. So God spoke to Noah and he told Noah, he's going to get rid of everyone that's upon the earth, from the humans even unto uh, to the animals. So everything upon the earth was wicked. It was evil. It was so much wickedness. God said, no. It's, he said I, he, he repented. That means God felt sorry that he had created man upon this earth. And it says that God was grieved. That means that God had pain in his heart. God can feel, and God does not like sin. God loves us so much that the word of God tells us that he wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He don't want nobody lost. God does it because he loves us so much. So Noah was righteous. He told Noah what he wanted him to do. He told Noah to build an ark. He told Noah to bring the animals into the ark. But first, he told him, your wife and your two sons and their wives, I want all of y'all to come into that ark. Can you imagine? Noah is building that ark, and it's taken a while for that ark to be built. First of all, they were not hearing Moses. I mean, I'm sorry, they were not hearing Noah. So by them not hearing Noah, it was like, okay, what's going on? It's no rain coming, there's <clears throat> no rain on the earth, so why are you building an ark? But Noah was showing them that God was using him, <clears throat> excuse me, God was using him to build that ark. So when he was building that ark, they was watching Noah. And I believe they was mocking Noah because it looked like, why would you be doing this? But Noah was doing this because God commanded him to do it. And by him doing it, he's showing them, you know, what God wants to have done. So he got the ark built. His family went in. The animals went into the ark. And then God closed the door to the ark. And every human, every animal that um, went into that ark was saved. But the people that was outside the ark, they died. So this is what happens when we don't obey the word of God that God is sending to us. You know, he sent his son Jesus, which is the word, and he wants us to grab hold to what the word has already done because God don't want any of us lost. 
So they got on that ark, and they were shut up on that ark. But when God opened the door to that ark, when we go and we look at how when his family come out, remember everybody else, they died. The only ones that was left on the earth was Noah and his family. So God began to tell Noah and his family, and this is what we got to understand. In the beginning, when God created Adam, he was telling um, Adam and Eve, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to replenish this earth. Now let's look at Noah, what he was telling Noah after he come off of that ark. And in verse 9, this is what it says. Chapter 9, verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hands, into your hand are they delivered. So God was telling Noah, this is what I want you to do. But before God even told Noah that, Noah built an altar. And he built that altar and he began to sacrifice these clean animals unto the Lord. He began to give the Lord an offering. And that offering that he gave him was a sacrificial offering of blood. So without the shedding of blood, there is no remissions of sin. So Noah was doing everything to come into alignment to what God would have for him to do. So he told Noah, replenish the earth. So here we are. We start back over from dealing with Adam. So it was Noah and his, his children and their wives. So this is what was happening here in chapter 9. We see that, I believe that Noah and his, his sons was um, doing like God was going to tell them to do. But Noah, he planted a vineyard. And the Bible said, and he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. So Noah, he, he built a vineyard, and through that, he got drunk, you know, through um, drinking, being intoxicated. And I know some of us know that's listening when you are drunk. And let me correct something while I'm saying this, because I'm reminded of it again. I want everybody to know Brother Willie was not a drunk. Even when he was in the world, he only knew, you know, he knew about people being drunk, but he never got that way like Noah. So I'm shouting out at Brother Willie to make sure he's hearing me tonight to know I did not think that he was a drunk. Anyway, Noah, um, he got drunk. His son came in and saw him naked, which was Ham. He saw him naked. He went back and he told his two brothers that their father was naked. The two brothers come back in and they did not look at their father's nakedness. They walked backwards. They covered Noah up. When Noah found out what Ham had done, he said, curse will be Canaan. So he let him know because of your disrespect towards me, your son will be cursed. So we go on to look at, this was Noah's generation. So God told Noah generation to replenish the earth. And that's what they did. They begin to have sons. They begin to have daughters. And as they begin to have these sons and daughters, they were replenishing the earth. But through Noah's generation, and the reason why I'm going through all this, because I'm going somewhere. No, through Noah's generation came Abraham. And that comes, Abraham came through Shem's blood generation. All of them is in that same generation.
generation. So here's Abraham. So we know that Abraham, he um, took Lot with him after his father had died. Um, Terah had died. He took Lot with them because they were going to go to the land of Canaan, but they end up staying in Haran. And, um, but God told Abraham, uh, Abram, he wanted him um, to go where he would have for him to go. He told him he had to leave what he was familiar with. Now check this out. Remember Noah's generation. Abraham came through that generation. Here go Abraham. Here's one that was righteous, just like Noah was righteous. Now I want you to understand this. People that are righteous, don't look at them like they don't make any mistakes. God can still use you even with the mistakes that you made. But we have to acknowledge the mistakes. So we have to acknowledge, acknowledge the sin that's before us so the enemy will not have inroad into our lives. Remember, Noah got drunk. We're going to talk about Abraham and some of the mistakes he made. But one thing about these two men, they were so they were so obedient to God that whatever God told them to do, they did it. So Noah, he was righteous in the eyes of God. We know that he messed up, but God did use Noah. Here come Abram, Abram coming along. God told him to leave what he was familiar with, to go to the land that he would show him. He would bless him. He will bless those who bless him. He will curse those who curse him. He said, I'm going to make a nation out of you, Abram. So he was obedient unto God. He took Lot with him. And as he took Lot with him, both of them had substance. And they had so much substance that where they were, Lot's herdsmen and Abraham, Abram's herdsmen, they were in strife against each other. But look how Abraham stepped in during that time. Abraham told Lot, if you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. See, Abraham could say that because he had a relationship with God. He knew that no matter where he went, no matter how tore up the land was, if he had God on his side, that land would flourish, that land would prosper because he knew God. So this is what Lot did. When Lot saw that land that was well watered, when he saw the plains over there dealing with Sodom was over there, Gomorrah was over there, when he saw all of that, he said, I'll go over there. This is how the world is when we look at the world. We look at so much that's going on in the world. We look at the material things. We look at the houses. We look at the cars. We look at the different cities. We look at different things, um, states, all of this stuff. We look at this and we look at, oh, I want to stay over there. Oh, they're having more fun over there. Oh, did you see those nice cars? Oh, you see those nice pocketbooks? Look at the, the weed that they're wearing. Look at their nails. Look at all of this. Look at all of that. That's what Lot was seeing. He was seeing the, the way the world was, the way that the world was doing things. And remember, we are in this world, but we're not of this world. So the world is going to show you a lot of lavish things. And, and if we're not in the place we need to be with God, we will grab hold to those things more than we're grabbing hold to God. That's what Lot did. So once Lot left Abraham. Now remember where Abraham was, it probably in the natural didn't look so good. But when Lot left, and I want to read to you what God told Abraham. 
when Lot separated from him. And this is in, we at Genesis 13 now, and we're in verse 14. But before I go to verse 14, it says in verse 12, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom, listen at this, were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. So Lot went into a place that was wicked, and um, people were sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, after Abraham, Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward, south, southward, eastward, and westward. He said, for all the land which thou see, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plains of Mara, which is in, in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. So look what the Lord did for Abram. Once Lot left, I want to say this. We have to separate from Lot. Lot represents the world. If you are in Christ and if you are born again, you cannot be in the world and be in Christ at the same time. You have to choose whom you're going to serve. Abraham chose what God would have for him to choose. So this is why Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He gave them a choice. He said, I'm going to give you a choice, but I already know whom I'm going to serve. And I believe that's in Joshua 24. So God is telling us today, let's don't be like Lot. Let's don't, let us not think that the world can give us more than God can. Look at what happened to Abraham. Abraham, God said, now I want you to lift up your eyes. God opened Abraham's eyes and he let him know what was around him. And Abraham began to see the way God would have him to see. Sometimes you cannot see. I'm not even going to say sometimes. I don't believe you can see what God would have for you to see if you hanging out, doing what the world is doing, trying to be like the world is. God says, separate yourself. Come out from amongst them. We are still hanging with folks that have not made up their minds to say, Lord, I'm going to serve you. Regardless of what they do or how they do it, I'm not going to do that because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what Abraham done. Now, you remember Lot, he chose Sodom. He chose Gomorrah. This is what he chose because it looked well watered. I believe the grass was so green, it looked so beautiful that Lot said, hey, I can just go live there. It ain't too much I have to do. But when we look in Genesis 14, it tells us how Abraham had to go rescue Lot. And we know that Abraham rescued Lot. And we know that the king of Sodom over there, he said, give me the people you can have all of this. But Abraham knew that he was serving God. He was serving a God that would take care of him. 
and he met um, Mechizedek, and he gave him 10% of all the goods. So Abraham knew whom he served. He didn't bow down because of material things. The only one he bowed down to was the Lord. So I'm going to move forward. We know what was happening in Abraham's life. Abraham was child, didn't have a child. Um, Sarah could not, she was barren. So Sarah got tired of waiting because God made a covenant with Abraham. He told him, the servant that's in your house is not going to be um, um, your, your descendant. You're going to have a child. So Abraham, he stuck with that promise. He was believing God, but Sarah got tired of waiting. So guess what? Sarah gave her husband permission to lay with another woman. And when she did that, we know this is how Ishmael came. And this is, you know, another nation that we're dealing with, dealing, coming through Ishmael. Here come another generation. So we know what happened with Ishmael. Um, after Ishmael was born and, you know, Hagar, she began to look at Sarah funny. Hagar was Sarah's maid servant. She began to look at Sarah funny. So, you know, Sarah went to Abraham, and I know you know all that, but I'm going to skip through all of that because I want to get to the point where um, Abraham had to go rescue. Well, I'm not going to say rescue. When we go over there, it was dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah. This is where I'm going, the place that Lot was at. The angels of the Lord, they came to visit. The angel of the Lord came to visit Abraham. And he came to Abraham to let him know this time next year you will have a son. And we know that Sarah laughed because she knew she was old and Abraham was old. They asked her, why did she laugh? She said, I didn't laugh. But on their way um, to go to Sodom and Gomorrah, they said, we cannot hold this back from Abraham. So they began to tell Abraham what they were going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. But guess what Abraham did? Abraham began to intercede. He began to intercede on the behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, if you find 50 righteous, would you um, get rid of, you know, destroy that city? And he said, no, if I find 50. So Abraham kept um, saying, if you find, if you find, until he got down to 10 people. He said, if I find 10 I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So Abraham left off speaking. But then the next thing that happened, they were going into Sodom and Gomorrah, but they was going to sleep outside. And when Lot saw them, he told them to come lodge with him. See, Lot knew what was in that city. He knew the wickedness that was there in that city. So he told them, no, you need to come to my house. So he took them to his home, and guess what? The men of that city, they were so wicked. Remember, the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. It talked about how wicked, how evil um, Sodom and Gomorrah were, and how the sinners were in Sodom and Gomorrah. So when they went into Lot's house, they were telling Lot, send those men out, send them out, because they want to become intimate with them. This is where you get... Um, homosexuality coming through Sodom and Gomorrah. So this is what was happening. But Lot would say, no, I have my daughters take them. Lot was going to give them the daughters over those men. And I'm saying, oh man, how could a father do that to his daughters? But this is what Lot was going to do. But they pushed Lot out the door and they told Lot 
that, you know, get his daughters together, his son-in-laws, and they was going to leave the city because they were going to literally destroy that city because they're seeing the wickedness. It was so wicked. It was so evil. He said, you, your wives, your daughters, your son-in-laws, come on. Y'all can come out the city. The son-in-laws would not go with Lot. So Lot took his two daughters. He took his wife. And they were telling him to go, um, I believe it was to, to Zor. I believe it was to the mountains, one or the other. So they were on their way. But guess what? Lot's wife, she looked back. Why did Lot's wife look back and turn to a pillow of salt? Because I'm going to tell you something. Once you really truly accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, guess what? You know that your place is in paradise. You know that you will not have to go to hell. And when you look at Sodom and Gomorrah, it was raining brimstones. It was coming down. He, they said, don't look back. Guess what? She looked back. Why? Because she still wanted Sodom and Gomorrah. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we don't look back. We don't look back. We keep moving forward. We don't look back on the old because the Bible says that the old has passed. And behold, a new thing has come. And actually it says that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You have a newness in Christ Jesus. That old nature, that old man is dead. And you don't look to that anymore. You look to who you are. You look to your new identity that, that's in Christ. Not in you, but that's in Christ. Guess what? Lot could not save himself. He could not save his family. But guess what um, God did? He knew they couldn't save themselves. So they were telling them, okay, this is what you need to do. So the wife looked back. She turned to a pillow of salt. Then it was only Lot and his two daughters. Just Lot and the two daughters. So I'm going to move forward even with them because remember now, um, there's we started off with Adam and Eve. We went from Adam and Eve to Cain and Abel, which were their children. Cain killed Abel, so here's Cain's generation, which was an evil generation. And then um, Adam and Eve ended up having Seth. And then from Seth's generation, you had the sons of God, which was a godly generation. That godly generation came in contact with Cain's generation, which God didn't want that to happen. And then Noah came through. Seth's generation, because he was found righteous, and God ended up destroying the whole earth except Noah's family. Now we had Noah's generation, through Noah's generation, through his children, we get to Abraham. And now, through Abraham, I'm moving forward where we're seeing that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. It was literally wiped out. So we look at two times that God destroyed, um, you know, um, the earth, first of all, with Noah, but then he did uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. He destroyed that as well. So now we have, who do we have? We have um, Lot and his two girls, and this is what was going on with Lot and the two girls. Between Lot and his two girls, when they went into the mountains, they, the, the oldest daughter told the young daughter, let us lay with our father. Let's get him drunk. Let us lay with him. Because there's nobody on earth that we'll be able to have children with. 
So they laid with their father. They got him drunk, laid with him. So they end up having children by the father. And here we are dealing with the Moabites and the Ammonites, I believe. So this is what I'm saying. See how sin was still pre present. And that's what the enemy want. And, but I want you to understand, God always has someone in the family that will live the way he would have them to live. And I thank God for the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will help you to live the way you need to live for God. Some of us are still trying to do things that are born again to try to satisfy God. Guess what? Jesus already paid the price. The only thing we have to do is put our trust in what Jesus has done because he's the one that saved us. Again, we cannot save ourselves. It was because of him we live, because of him we move, because of him we have our being. I went over all of that to let those out there know tonight. You cannot save yourself. Sin is in this world. Things look like um, it's the, the way the world looks, it looks like everything is okay, but it's not okay. Look how we're going through this crisis, this pandemic with COVID-19. Look how everybody is shut up in homes. Look how you can't go to different places like you used to go to places. See, what the things that you get accustomed to, that's when depression comes. That's when oppression comes. Because when you put things in the world before you were putting God, when those things are shut down, you feel like you don't have anything. I'm here to tell you tonight, those that are born again, you are complete in him. Everything you need is in him. In him we live. In him we move. And in him we have our being. Without him, we are nothing. We are the branches. He's the vine. We get our nourishment from the vine. So I'm here to tell you tonight, we have to hold on to him. We have to let go of the world. The world has nothing to offer us but sorrow, but trouble. And, you know, we're going to have tribulation. We're going to have all this stuff coming at us in the world. But greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And when you know your identity, now that you're in Christ, just like Jesus have overcome the world, and he said, be of a good cheer, because I have overcome the world, guess what? We can be of a good cheer because we know what Jesus has done. So no matter what comes on the earth, we have to stand on who we are now that we're in Christ. We have to stand on our new identity. See, this is what Abraham done. And if we will look at the life of Abraham, when we were going back to Abraham, look how Abraham lied and said, you know, Sarah was not his wife. She was his sister. She was his half-sister, but she was still his wife. He lied, but God still used Abraham. Abraham slept with Hagar. God still used Abraham. What was so special about Abraham for God to keep using him, even in his mess? Because God knew Abraham's heart. And I'm here to tell you tonight, the ones that are born again, and the enemy is coming at you every which way but loose. And he's making you feel like you're not worthy. He's making you feel like you still have to do something for God to answer your prayer. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Everything that needs to be done has already been done in 
justified because of him. Justified means just like we had never sinned. God sees his son. So do not let the enemy ridicule you. Do not let the enemy tell you you got to do this before God does that. Do not let the enemy tell the ones that are not born again saying, you know what? I got to quit smoking. I got to quit drinking. I got to go to church. I got, I got. See, that's a form of pride. You're saying what you have to do, and I'm telling you what Jesus has already done. He said, Whom, whoever called on the Lord shall be saved. Come just as you are. You do not have to change anything because when you accept him as your Lord and as your Savior, the Holy Spirit, he's coming in and he's cleaning you up. That's that burning fire. I'm going to tell you, when the Holy Spirit cleans you up, you are made to be that temple that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit can inhabit. So don't try to do it yourself anymore. God has already made the way for you through his son, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to say again, COVID-19 is not the emergency. Lost souls is the emergency. We are so focused on COVID-19 that we're forgetting that when people do die, and I pray that they do not die, but we want them to know what Jesus have already done and for them to accept what he's already done, not based on what they can do. So it's time for us to go out there. It's time for us to minister the way of salvation unto the lost. Because people do not know that they're lost. People are waiting on money. People are waiting on mates. People are waiting on everything except, you know, the good news concerning the kingdom. It is time for you to open up your heart. And if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord, it is not too late. Don't feel as if, you know, if I give up this, what am I going to get in return? You're going to get eternal life. You're going to get a life that never ends. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get life and life more abundantly. I'm going to say this. Someone had asked me something. And I'm bringing this back up because sometimes when you don't understand, you try to make a choice. Someone had asked if you had a son that was a, a homosexual and you had a daughter that was 15 that was pregnant, which one would you accept? And this is what I said. Both, both acts is sin. Both is sin. You don't sit up here and say, I'm going to accept the daughter and she's pregnant. You're supposed to love them both because God loved all of us. He didn't reject none of us because of the sin that we were in. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. That means he dearly prized the world. For God so loved the world, in John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe on him, in him, shall not be lost, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then the Bible goes on to say in Romans chapter 5, it tells us that he proved his love. He demonstrated his love. And yet, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
does that? So get off of big sin and little sin. Sin is sin. It don't matter what sin somebody has committed. The Bible says if you break one, this is under the law, you broke them all. If somebody's a homosexual, guess what? They're still a murderer. If somebody's a murderer, they're homosexual. God looks at sin to be sin. There's no big sin. There's no little sin. Quit comparing sin. Sin is sin. But God died. He sent Jesus to die for the past, the present, and future sins. God said, I'm going to take care of sin. So guess what? Sin is not the problem. Sin is not what's keeping you from being saved. What's keeping you from being saved is rejecting Jesus Christ. It's rejecting what he has done on your behalf. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved. Through faith, not of yourself, for it is the gift of God, not of works that any man can boast. That's in Ephesians chapter 2. So God is not waiting on you to do anything except hear the good news of Jesus Christ concerning the kingdom. And I pray that as I have went over this tonight, that those that have heard what has been said, that they're opening up their heart right now, and they're confessing with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, and they're making that confession because they realize that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose on the third day. Why did he die? He died for our sins. Why? Because we could not save ourselves. Because he who knew no sin became sin for us so we could become the righteousness of God through him. So tonight, if you have opened up your heart and you have confessed with your mouth and you have believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that he died, he was buried, and he rose again, you are saved. And I'm going to say tonight, welcome, welcome, welcome to the kingdom of God. I thank you for tuning in tonight. I thank you for listening to what has been said unto you on tonight. And I pray that as you have listened to this teaching, that you don't stop here, that you ask the Holy Spirit, because now you have a helper. You ask the Holy Spirit to order your steps, to lead you, guide you into the place that God will have you to go. I'm talking about into church, a building. We're the church, but we need a place where we can be taught, you know, the, the things of God, God's way of doing things. So I pray that your heart is open and receptive and you have received the word of God on tonight. And I speak that you find a place that you can go to, that you can be up under a pastor that's teaching the kingdom of God, that's teaching um, Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. I pray that you find that place. But know that we here at Miracle Temple, we're here to help you. We're here to give you what you need according to the word of God. You can go to our website at www.mtdm.org. You can also check us out on Facebook. And mm, I think that's it. Or YouTube. We do have the YouTube channel. 
So I pray that you go there and check us out. Leave your name, leave your number. And if we can be of any help, we will be. And I want to say thank you again for watching us on tonight. And know that God loves you with the everlasting love. To God be the glory. Until next time, be blessed.